Welcome back, listeners. We hope you were able to enjoy some time with your families this past holiday season and that you are rested and ready because it's 2020. Here at San Ed Chat, we are starting this year off with our littlest of students. Our first episode of 2020 is one we believe you are really going to enjoy. In this episode, we chatted with Michael Hughes, who is a TK kinder teacher in our district at Parkridge Elementary in Norco, California. And for those of you who don't know what TK is, it is a grade level designed for students who turn five between September 2nd and December 2nd, and who don't meet the age requirement for kindergarten. This man is truly a superhero. He spends two years looping with the tiniest of humans in our district, whom he lovingly refers to as his babies. He is also the 2019 Riverside County Teacher of the Year and received the 2019 Empower Award from Flipgrid. Did you know he thinks of his classroom, which is surrounded by paint, flexible furniture, puppets, and all of the props you can imagine as his happy place? Did you ever refer to your classroom as your happy place, Kate? Most days, not every day. (laughs) Um, But I got to visit that happy place, and I can definitely see why he feels that way. I was lucky to chat with Mike in his classroom, and with my knees crammed under those tiny little cute desks, we were able to chat about what makes Michael Hughes one of the best. Well, Michael, thanks for being with us today. I'm glad you guys made it here. Um, first, can you just briefly introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us about your work in education? Uh, my name is Michael Hughes. I'm a kindergarten slash TK looping teacher at Parkridge Elementary School. I'm Riverside County Teacher of the Year 2019, um, as well as CNUSD Teacher of the Year for 2019. But also, I'm just, I love sharing knowledge. So that's really what I'm about now is just sharing knowledge with other teachers wherever I can find them, either in our district, outside of our district, or, or abroad. That's really what my platform is at this point in my career. How long have you been doing this? This is year 12 in kindergarten in TK. My first year I taught 6th grade at McKinley. A little bit out of my element, but I did survive 6th grade for a year. So. Do you see yourself ever leaving TK 1st grade? Uh, I don't know if I could ever if I could ever leave, if an opportunity present, presented itself, but I love what I do. I mean, this is what I'm about. I'm about the 4-year-old, the 5-year-old mindset. I mean... I look like a four-year-old dressed like one sometimes. So um, it's really just kind of what I'm about. I love the age range. I love being the first impression on, on these on these kids and then being able to give them a trajectory to success. You know, I get to start at the basement level, whereas most people get them where they are, wherever they're at. I get to, I get to start fresh with these kids, brand new experience to school, and, and make it an exciting experience for them. So I'm grateful I get to be their first teacher and set them on that trajectory to success. Your enthusiasm and the work you have done with with students is infectious, and that's why we wanted to definitely come in and speak with you today. Um, I notice on the walls over here, we're sitting in your beautiful TK classroom, um, which is just wonderful and comfortable and and full of artwork um, from your students. But I notice over here on my right, you have a Superman poster, a Batman poster, and it says superhero. Um, and we have some Batman dolls hanging over here, and we've seen you before, and we've seen you in superhero costumes and capes. So can you tell us about your teaching uniform? I get excited about things. So that excitement tends to pour out into like my personality. So as a kid growing up, I loved comic books. I have thousands of them. All my original comic books I still own, and superheroes were like my thing. And when you're excited about things, people get excited about mm-hmm. things. A lot of what I am and who I am I bring into the classroom. The classroom is not a separate place. It basically is just an extension of who Mr. Hughes is. I teach kindergarten, thankfully, so I get to really be that person all the time. 
So I thought, I love superheroes. Let me dress up like one. And then when I wear the capes or I wear the costumes, I mean, I've come to work in full Spider-Man gear. I've come in a Wookiee suit. I've come with Chewbacca's head just on. And the kids gravitate towards that. There's an energy and a passion that they see because they see a little bit of you, you know, themselves in you. And I think that is what I want my kids to see. I want them to go... Look at Mr. Hughes. He's accessible. Like, I can go talk to that guy. That guy's really weird. He dresses up all the time. Like, there's just a natural connection. Like, if they have a problem or just whatever, they feel comfortable because you are accessible to them. They know that you know their language. You know, you speak their language. You know what they like because they can see what you like. You know, and I think that is the connection. It's a, it's a kind of a my way of connecting with the kids without even saying anything. It's just kind of like who I am. They know that... I'm a kid at heart, so they know that they can come to me for whatever the issues are, especially when they struggle with learning. It's like, you know, they know Mr. Hughes has got their back. You know, one of the little kids is like, you're like my superhero. And I told him, like, no, you guys really are mine. I might dress up in the costumes and wear the cool clothes, but you guys give me passion. Like, I get whatever passion that comes out of me, I get from them daily, you know. And and four-year-olds, they are passionate about everything, whether it's their dog, their socks, their shoes, like, Whatever it is in their life, they will tell you they're passionate about, you know, and, and I want them to know that I'm passionate about what I'm passionate about, but also that my passion is directed towards them. And my clothes are just my way of showing them that, hey, I'm just like you. I love things, too, and I want you to love things, too, and be able to express that as well. What kind of reaction do you get from them when you walk in in a Chewbacca suit? Uh, or they walk in and see you in a Chewbacca suit? <laughs> lots of screaming, typically at first. <laughs> And then it's the mass rush towards me <laughs> and a lot of hugs and that's Aww. and that's how the kids are, you know, and I it's just in my I love to have fun. You know, I, I really do. No matter what I'm doing, it, whether it's the most tedious task you do, like working on penmanship and TK, there's not a whole lot of fun in that, but I love to make those experiences fun for my kids, you know, whether it's my clothes that are fun or what I'm doing that is fun. I just want the kids to know that, like, learning can be fun. Well, you were um, Riverside County Office of Ed Teacher of the Year. Congratulations. Thank you. And that was in 2018? Nin- 2019. Okay, congratulations. So I did a little research um, on your award, and I just was inspired and awed by what you wrote um, about one of your teachers. And so... She was my great aunt. Your great aunt? Mm-hmm. Okay, can you please um, tell us about your great aunt? Yeah, so I grew up in a situation not too different from my kids here at Park Ridge, so a childhood that was not too unlike theirs. We had a lot of challenges where we lived, the neighborhood we lived in, and my great aunt, my grandma's sister, taught fifth grade in um, San Diego Unified for about 34 years. And in the summers, they were year-round, and we weren't, so she would take me to her classroom every summer for several for several summers. and. I would just sit there, and as a little kid, before I was even fifth grade age, I would sit there and watch her teach, and it was her specifically the reason why I got into teaching, and it's, it's her specifically the reason why I teach the way I do, you know, where it, it is about the kid. Everything I do and create and make and the experiences I have for my kids, it is because of what she did for me. You know, she created an experience in a child that's not her own, you know, with me. She did it with me. As a te- as as my great aunt, but also in her classroom, and I'm like, you can do that, you know. She never saw her students as her students; those were her kids. And I call my kids, I call them my babies. That's what I call them. That's what I that's what I call them every day. But I even tell them like, you're my kids. I'll even tell their parents that I'm like, they're mine, you know. And I I feel like that's a, necess- a necessary part of of what we do as educators. They're not just a number or a score or whatever. 
there's more to this there's more to that child than just whatever their running record level is it is who they are what they like what their interests are and how are we incorporating that into our classroom and our day-to-day are we taking time to connect with them or are we just teaching them you know i'm all about reaching a child before i can teach them it's all about that getting to know them who they are and then like we jump off from that point and you know the sky's the limit and i think that's what I saw on her and that's she only survived until I was my first year teaching you know and she got to see the success you know it was it was bittersweet she got to know I I was a teacher and that was all her doing you know helping me out along the way but when I taught sixth grade which is one of the grades that she taught you know she was very proud of me and that was obviously one of my highlights of my life is her knowing that I became a teacher she did pass away that year but her legacy didn't die like her legacy lives on every day that I'm here well clearly you are doing her legacy justice Will you read for us um, what you wrote um, about your great aunt? I will. To the best teacher I've ever known, Mrs. Juan L. Evans, even though you are gone, the young boy you took under your wing is fulfilling your legacy because you first invested in him. Teaching is an investment in others. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you talk a lot about giving your students a voice and empowering students to control their own learning. So can you tell our listeners how you do this? Yes, I'm all about choice and voice. I put the two pretty much together. You know, I, I think in a room full of kids, it's it's a lot easier to be, you know, we call on kids and a couple of kids get to talk, but I I feel like that's every kid needs to be heard. And, you know, and I think they need a platform to be able to be heard on. And, and in the classroom during the course of a day, especially a half day that we have, it's very hard to hear the kids. But I feel like giving them an opportunity to not just talk about what they know, but what they've learned and how they've learned it and demonstrate knowledge verbally is a huge component into knowing what your kids know, but also where they're going with that knowledge and being able to give them a platform to speak. So um, I use a myriad of technology in the classroom, even with four-year-olds, and I use Flipgrid a lot. So Flipgrid's one of the platforms I use for my kids to be able to, to demonstrate their knowledge. You know, and Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what Flipgrid is? Flipgrid's uh, it's an app where kids can record responses to prompts. So I can give them a prompt verbally or I can give them a prompt on paper and they would have to respond to it. So, for instance, if a kid's read a story, like in TK, so this year, the kids read Pete the Cat, I'm walking in my white shoes, and they had to respond to it, what their favorite part was. So in Flipgrid, every kid got to record what their favorite part of the story was. You know, and every kid got to be heard. And then we got today, we got to listen to every kid's Mm -hmm. response. And let me tell you the value in that. You know, I have a lot of ELs. Some are shy. Some don't want to talk in front of the class. But they'll go record in the Flipgrid tent and tell you what their favorite part is. Okay, so I see here the Flipgrid tent is a green. It is a green. It's like an outdoor camping tent. It's our our recording studio where the kids kind of have a little bit of privacy. And they take, there's an iPad that usually stationed in there. And they go in there and record their responses to whatever the prompts are, and there's a lot of different ones, but um, it's them being able to share what they've learned, you know, and I think that is what I what I love, you know. I think that's their voice, you know, and, and they all want to be heard. Every kid, if you ever ask a question, every hand goes up because everybody wants, everybody, everybody has Especially an answer. Especially the little ones. But the problem is, is I can't listen to 22 answers, you know, but I can listen to 22 responses mm-hmm. on Flipgrid and respond back on Flipgrid to them and they can listen to the res- those responses later. I think that is a huge component that's lacking because there's not time. We The time constraints always get us flustered because there's not enough time. But there I think never is enough time. I handle conflict with Flipgrid where the kids will respond where, you know, like they'll record themselves what are what behavior should they be implementing in the classroom and then they'll record it. 
you know, and then... Can you give us an example of that? So I taught a lesson last year, especially, but um, we would go on appropriate classroom behaviors. So each kid recorded a response in Flipgrid about what appropriate behaviors they would be working on during the course of the year. So anytime a student deviated from that, they would go back and watch it with me, <laughs> and I would go, remember when you said this? And they're like, oh. <laughs> so then we would have a discussion based off what they said they would do and then what they're doing, and they would have to compare and contrast mm-hmm. on a graphic organizer, because I love graphic organizers, what they said they were going to do and what they actually did and then what they will be doing next time to change their behavior, you know. And that's the best thing about their voice. It's their voice. The voice doesn't just have to be responses. It can be creating things. So, you know, with Flipgrid, my kids in math, they would create verbal math problems for other kids to solve. Now, who would not want to do that? You know, like they were, so we're doing subtraction and they would give verbal subtraction problems for other kids to solve. The other kids would illustrate it and write the actual equation out. And they're learning from each other and with each other. And I think like, like where else could you do that? How else could you do that? How could you manage that? I only have five, six iPads in the classroom. Like, how could you manage that? But you can. So how do you combine technology with other teaching tools to grow learning for your kiddos? I feel that it's really a combining of the two, the digital world and the analog world. I think a lot of times we can go too far either way. We can go all digital and we're missing the analog piece or we can stay completely analog. I think our kids need to have a little bit of both. And I think in my classroom, what I try to create for them is giving them a way to access information digitally, but also a way to translate that information onto paper. So I create a lot of organizers or a lot of places for the kids to be able to write their information down. So if they're listening to a story or reading a story in Epic, they want to be able to tell me the details from the story, they have a place to write it all down before they go into Flipgrid and record their their student response. You know, I think we can go one way or the other too far, but I feel like with my kids, especially with the younger ones, knowing how your kids learn is best. And I think kids today love technology and I think they can use it really well but I don't think that's the only way they should learn I don't think that's the only way they should access content I think it needs to be a little bit of both and I think there are kids who need the physical component so being able to marry the two into your class I think is where you get the most success and the most bang for your buck with your kids yeah you do a lot of kinesthetic activities I saw on Twitter uh, last week I think you posted a video where kids were fly swatting different letters and so that was really intriguing can you tell our listeners about that yeah i live at dollar tree frequently too often um i'll go there just to get ideas you know it's kind of strange to admit that in real life but i'll go there just to walk around and just take it in and get inspired by what i see that's a dollar because i can spend five dollars so i went there last week and i saw they had fly swatters and i bought them i had no idea what i was going to do with them but we were learning beginning sounds so i was like okay I need to make an activity that deals with beginning sounds with fly swatters. Well, I own a lot of clip art, probably tens of thousands of pieces of clip art I own that I've bought over the years. And I had flies, lots of cute butter, like cute little flies, like no no joke, every color glitter flies. I'm like, all right. So I made cards. So some cards had letters, capital and lowercases, and some cards had pictures that began with those letter sounds. And I laminated them. I took the fly swatters and sprayed them with repositional adhesive spray on both sides to make them sticky. And the students were set at a table that's divided in half. Half the table had letters, capital and lowercases. The other half had pictures. And the kids would come over and swap the letter first and pick it up and say the letter and say the sound. Then they would go to the other half of the table to find a matching picture. Um, and then they would have to say it out loud. So if they got they got a C, they would go k k 
cats if they got them. No matter what, no matter what it is, you'd have to say it out loud. And then I would ask him, "How does that sound? Does that make sense to you?" And the kids would either say yes or no. And if they need additional help, I'd help them. But it doesn't just ever end there. You know, I think we can just go. Okay, they're practicing the sounds. But then I created a organizer for them to actually take their letter back and their picture back. And they sat down with them. They had to write that letter and draw that picture. And I think that additional step is really where my kids are internalizing this new information. Because isolating an initial sound is not an easy process for them. And playing just the fly spotter game is not just going to teach them letter sounds. It's actually them actually physically doing it, but then actually writing it down and seeing it in their own writing, seeing it in their own print is when it gets internalized. You know, The game is fun. They love it. And I think that is a lot of why I design what I do for my kids is every time that you hear the swat, they're laughing. And they're like, ew, there's like fly guts on my swatter. <laughs> and they're like, and then they'll swat the other side and they'll have the two and you know, they're laughing, they're laughing, you know, and I'll look back at them and there's, I mean, every kid has a giant smile on their face. Every kid's laughing. And I think, and I'm looking at them and I'm like, you don't even know you're learning. Like you don't even know you're playing with content knowledge. You have no clue. And you're excited about doing this task where I could have given them a worksheet or something that's very basic and they could have just glued some things in order and maybe got it right on by luck. And I would have never known. And they would have taken it home and you know, they would have been practicing cutting skills. But in reality, I think there's not a lot of knowledge gain there. And plus, there's no there's no fun. It even inspires me as a secondary background to, to really rethink some of the things that we do with our intermediate and high school students. Well, I think a lot of what I do, and, and I've talked to high school teachers before and middle school teachers as well, a lot of what I do can translate up because a lot of my ideas translate down. You know, I take an idea that I see elsewhere and at a middle school or high school level and I just and I just take that idea and go how can I apply this to my kids and my situation and a lot of what I you know what I do can easily be extrapolated and done at a high school setting as well it's just how would you how would you finagle it how would you do it the same experiences you can create for your kids I think learning needs to be an experience not just me sitting there listening to Mr. Hughes talk all day it is experiencing learning and it needs to be physical like I think I always tell my kids that we're going to learn letter sounds or we're going to learn math and it's going to be a physical experience. It's going to be tactile. We're going to touch it, taste it, you know, hear it, listen to it, jump, sing, dance, skip. We do all. I mean, we, we have hopscotch with letter sounds all day long. Like we do, it's not just a paper in front of me. It is the experience of learning that matters to me the most. With so many changes occurring in 21st century education and learning, what advice can you give to teachers or families to try tomorrow, to try this week, and to try this month? All right, so I had a group of teachers in my classroom yesterday, TK and kindergarten, and they came in to kind of watch what I do. And at the end, after my kids left, they're like, how do you even get started? Like, where would I get started? I'm like, go back to your room and try one new thing. So, like, you can do one thing. We can try one thing. It doesn't have to be successful. I think we look at it and go, oh, if I try this and it fails, it's like, oh, my goodness, I'm not doing it again. I mean, I love Flipgrid, but it failed for a month in kindergarten last year. It failed for a month, and it was miserable. And I'm like... I didn't stop there because it failed, you know. After a week, I'm like, I kept tweaking it, tried to try finding new ways to use it, like a better way to use it with my kids. How can I make this tool that I do like and I see value in, how can I make that tool accessible to my kids? And how do I make it, not just because it's a cool tool, like how do I make it to where it can impact the way my kids learn? You know, I think that's a really key point we have to to like focus on it's not just using a tool for the sake of a tool it's can this tool impact my kids you know 
these teachers that came yesterday really wanted to learn about QR codes, and then I got to explain with them how I use them, the many different ways I use QR codes in the classroom. We do scavenger hunts and all these things, and she's like, I can go back and do this. And I told her, okay, so like, you go try that. And if that works, you know, try something else. So in a week's time or two weeks' time, you shouldn't still be doing the same thing. Like, how else can you use the same tool that you find value in to work with your kids in a better way? And once you've become successful at it, whether it's a month or a year down the road, share that knowledge with someone else. You know, don't keep it for yourself. I mean, what good is me doing what I do if I only ever kept it to myself and it's in my classroom with my kids? You know, they, they came into my classroom because I'm open to have people in here all the time. I have teachers in here all the time. And not because, like, I want to have people here. It's because I want to share what I do with others, you know. And I think that's how you impact kids beyond your four walls. I, I have my kids, my 22 students here. They are my babies, and I call them that. But that's not all. I'm not. My aunt wasn't just about her kids, her students. She was about all kids. You share a lot of your work on Twitter. That's where I see all of the amazing things you're doing. So where can our listeners follow you on Twitter? You can find me at Twitter at at Lakers Hughes. That's Lakers with an S, Hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S. I'm also on Facebook at Mr. Mike's Kinder Place, because I do teach kindergarten. And um, Instagram, the same thing, at Mr. Mike's Kinder Place, where I share a lot of what I do. But if you message me or, or whatever, uh, I'm willing to share information about what I do or even copies of what I do, if that's what listeners need. Well, thank you so much for doing the work that you do, for sharing all of your work, and for loving your babies. Well, thank you for coming to the classroom and seeing a little bit of what they get to do. So thank you guys for being here. We love it. Thank you. Thanks. I love the element of play and fun that he brings to the classroom, and I would really love to see that joy all the way up through high school. Me too. Mm -hmm. His story about his great aunt is so beautiful, and it's important that we remember that we are leaving behind a legacy with our students. Like Mike, we may not see the contributions immediately, but when they graduate from high school, get their first jobs, or become successful, that is where we see our impact. I think we can learn a lot from student voice from the work that Mike does in his classroom. He did mention something that we hear a lot about never having enough time, um, but he has found ways using technology to ensure that all of his students are able to contribute and they're able to share their voices with him and with each other. We know Michael mentioned a few resources that he uses in his classroom, and they may work for you at your grade level too. So we will be sure to link those on our Google site. He can be found on Twitter at Lakers Hughes or Facebook at Mr. Mike's Kinderspace. I also just want to challenge you, our listeners, to rethink some of our practices in the classroom. Michael Hughes mentioned that learning should be fun and it should be an experience. What might that look like in your classroom? What could you try tomorrow, this week, or this month? And you know, we'd love to hear some of those ideas. So be sure to tag us at CNUSD at chat. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode of CNUSD EdChat. We have more motivating and thought-provoking episodes available now on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcast. So be sure to share these resources with an educator or family member. This episode was co-produced by Kate Jackson, Kim Kemmer, and me, Jenny Cordura, and edited by the wonderful Ken Pucci. Who's up for the Dollar Tree? I'll drive. Oh, let me get my purse on my car. All right. Hi, my name's Dominique, and I'm in first grade. If you would like to comment on the podcast, go to CNUSD 
www.k12.ca.us and be sure to follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at CNUSD at chat to let them know the topics you are interested in. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us out by leaving a five-star review. We greatly appreciate your support.